0: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For our very first episode, I spoke with artist John Reddington from the studio where he talked about painting, canoeing, and what exactly blows his mind. All that and more coming up, so stay tuned. What was going on when I called you last night trying to set this up and you were lost in the woods at like 11... Twelve o'clock your time. <laughs> oh, I was just crazy, man.
1: I wanted to go out for uh, for a hike, and so I went out to this one place. and It's really hilly. The moon was out, stars. Wanted to go check it all out, and I had no idea that they must have run like a high school cross country tournament there, maybe over the weekend. It's been raining like insane, and it was just a total slop fest. And I get probably a quarter of a mile out, and I'm just slipping, sliding down these hills, falling in the mud, trying to find other ways around to navigate to this place I wanted to go. I ended up getting lost, making some wrong turns through these big fields, and ran into a bunch of briar patches and couldn't see anything, and it kind of sucked pretty bad, so... Dave called me up and was like, Hey dude, what's up? I'm like, man, I'm lost in the
0: woods. It's getting cold. I need to find my way back to the car. I'll call you in a bit. (laughs) And just to give a little background of information, uh, about John here, uh, John got his, uh, BFA in painting, uh, from Bowling Green State University. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the year, but, um, after that got his MFA, uh, from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Um, and so, uh, you know, obviously we've got a lot, a lot we can talk about, but I, I think the first and foremost question, just cause I've talked to you quite a number of times, uh, managing to lose cell phones and canoes, um, uh, yeah. per- particularly on these, on these hikes and excursions. And so I guess, uh, my first question is just, um, you know, how, how is that experience in nature kind of play into your, your studio practice?
1: Well, you know, I think it's like, uh. I don't know, I think I, uh, the way I make work is kind of in a different way than most people approach. I don't want to paint if I don't have something to paint about. And so everything's kind of a story or an adventure or an experience. And so, you know, I see the two things like a, in a marriage together. So these experiences that I have, these things that I do... Are just as valid and just as important as to uh, the the aspect of creating a painting.
0: Could you talk a little bit about maybe the way that that's evolved since maybe you know you started graduate school in two thousand and four? You know, a lot of your paintings seem to be you know very much naturalistic kind of landscapes and based on observation. Right. You know how do how do you see that in terms of the way that it's I guess changed in terms of the paintings that you've done most recently as opposed to the ones that we're pushing a decade now, which is kind of crazy to say, but it's almost a decade ago.
1: Yeah, no, it's kind of nuts, huh? Um, I don't know. It's I think it's just like a, an evolution and starting to realize why why you make work instead of just making work to make work. I think once you start to kind of uh, pull these things out of the fog as to why you want to make work, then it can clarify things and kind of sharpen the idea of uh, where you want to go with stuff. So for example, I've always been interested in the outdoors, and that's never changed since I was a kid. And so it seemed very natural for me to just paint landscapes, sit outside, be in that environment and paint landscapes. And that was, uh, you know, just a very natural, simple thing for me to do. And then coming to grad school, you know, kind of changing it up from there a little bit and starting to think about different ideas or uh, different ways of approaching the same thing, talking about it in a different way, kind of got away from the act of experiencing something and just kind of researching something instead and trying to make work about that and that didn't seem very valid to me so then I started um, got really interested in in hunting culture out there in southern Illinois Um, and so I wanted to experience this and see what it was about because I used to have this very negative attitude towards hunting so I wanted to just see for myself what it was all about and just kind of fell in love with it and um, so then my work from then was all about those kinds of experiences, um, relating those kinds of experiences. So not painting from actually things that I see anymore, but creating these uh, these works that are talking about the experience of what I had or, or what had happened or the light or whatever it might be. So now I think it's even sharpened a little bit more than that and just kind of evolved in a little bit different way with... My current situation in Peninsula, talking about this fellow that used to live in this house before me, Um, he passed away in the house, and nobody really knows much about the guy or doesn't really want to talk about him because he was kind of a recluse and a weirdo and uh, just very bizarre. But, you know, I'll run across people that were good friends of his or uh, neighbors a few houses down that... You know, like really tough blue-collar guys that, you know, don't really want to get emotional about anything but drink a lot of beer and smoke a lot of cigarettes and watch football games and drive Harleys. And, you know, they say the best things about Paul Castro. So, um, you know, he left all kinds of stuff in the house and was kind of like a, I don't know what you call them, hoarders. He was kind of a hoarder. So there was just stuff everywhere, and... uh You know, like writings that I'll find in the basement or writings that are all over outside in the barn. Um, Reading these things and seeing these objects um, started to become important to me as to try to figure out who Paul Castro was. For some reason, I just got wrapped up in that, and now it's uh, become part of my work, trying to represent the idea of this man... And not really knowing who this man was, but kind of just talking about who I think this man was, hearing completely different stories from kind of two different camps of people in the town, you know, so it's like, who can you believe? You can believe a little bit of this, you can believe a little bit of that, but at some point you have to make your own decision and try to figure it out. So that's kind of what I've been trying to do through these paintings, talking about what I think Paul Castro's experience was here in this house and what my experience is in this house at the same time. So it's kind of like uh, talking about kind of two different dimensions kind of floating together in the, the same work, the same painting, if that makes any sense.
0: No, sure. And I mean, I, th- I think, again, that's one of the reasons that I was so interested in just seeing the way that you had your studio set up in the, in the, uh, the barn for a while. Could you just talk a little bit about you know, maybe how you put together a a new painting, Um, obviously kind of distilling some experience that you've had.
1: Right. Well, that's kind of a, I don't know, that's an interesting question because I don't really have like a set kind of way of approaching a painting or uh, starting it. I guess, you know, it, it starts off with an idea of finding some sort of object that i think was important to paul at some point in his life whether you know it's uh, stuff that he used to use for work he was uh, an iron worker in cleveland and so just all kinds of old uh, harnesses and just you know really manly blue collar stuff that just lies around and collects dust you know just trying to find something and kind of sit with it and try to think about those sorts of things, and then um, trying to figure out a composition. So it's uh, it's kind of like a mix between a pretty abstract idea and then trying to find a way to uh, create a very interesting image, I guess. I really want to lay things out in a certain way and in a certain mode, but um, it's all about an evolution. So, you know, right now I'm sticking with a certain format of, 10 inches by 10 inches and uh you know i I paint really hard and really rough and make a lot of mistakes so i like to do it on on, uh, on panels so i can go back in and just sand sand shit out from time to time if stuff gets too jacked up so ideas are always changing they're always evolving so one it's getting an image getting an idea trying to get um kind of an atmosphere, uh, an aura or something about that kind of experience that I'm thinking about, and then um, kind of breaking it down just very, uh, I don't know, plain early, I guess, um, where it's just color fields uh, next to color fields, and uh, kind of just making decisions about, you know, what's working well against this, and then sitting with it and sitting with it for a long time. I mean, sometimes I'll make a decision, feel really good about it, and um, you know, come back the next day and look at it and not be satisfied with it and then have to sit there for, it could be two hours, it could be days, until I figure out um, what's wrong with it and what can I do to fix this problem. And so there's kind of an evolution of that always happening in the work uh, where it's work a little bit and think a lot of bit, if that makes any sense. So there's just a lot of time of just sitting there looking at the work being surrounded in the environment of all this stuff that isn't a part of me, uh, but but it is I guess now at this point, but kind of getting getting in the mode, getting in the, the feeling getting in the uh, kind of the environment of uh, thinking about these things and trying to make a decision and listening to music and looking at it and staying up late and smoking a bunch of cigarettes and until I finally come up with something and then knock it out, knock another decision out. And then, once again, it's sitting with it. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, if you like it, what are you going to do next? There's not really a... Um, a blueprint for making the work it's all uh kind of in the moment and making decisions after already having done something
0: no well, i mean i i think again you know um even just that first question i asked you about being lost in the woods and the way that you're kind of got all muddy kind of trying to like i don't know get a, navigate you know what i mean it seems to me like again there's there's this interesting relationship that happens between you know, those those kinds of experiences just in the way that they kind of relate to your work. Right. And, you know, again, it's something that you kind of hinted at a little bit or talked a little bit about um, earlier is just, again, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of times, you know, we talk about making stuff in such a formal way, a formal setting, you know what I mean? People talk to you about that idea of, like, and I think it's it's just really, again, one of those things that's really interesting to me is just kind of seeing people in that process, you know, because right. most of the time it seems like from the the couple of people and not I me mean, maybe this podcast will be something that can help figure that out, but it seems like you know we're often not in that that space where we just know everything that's going on I mean again, it could depend on the way that you work because right. a lot of that a lot of that experimentation um that happens in your work or that evolution for me um you know happens digitally, and so I mean in terms of making decisions um it's just a little bit different process. But I think one thing, again, that's that's nice about not having any of those deadlines is just that, you know, you have a luxury of being able to work on something and really kind of distill and think about it. You know, what happens if I do this? Right. Oh, this isn't working. I need to sand this out. So it's a very interesting uh, kind of process we've um, talked about. You seem to have, like, a lot of respect almost for this idea of uh, – being a, a hard worker you know you talked about about paul being a a blue collar worker you know right and um you know i can't help but think about it in terms of you know contemporary america you know you're talking about right. you know not being too far from detroit you know right a place where they used to make cars and have all this industry and um you know like the idea of having you know, all these artifacts kind of spread around and and just kind of gathering dust is, I don't know, something really interesting, so.
1: I've always had a respect for, uh, you know, that blue-collar work ethic ever since I was a kid. I guess it was just instilled in me, and, you know, I was always taught to to persevere and, and get through things, even if it's hard or if it's tough or if it sucks or if it's good. But just to to keep pushing through, to keep keep on keeping on. Um, So that's always been, you know, I've always admired that in people. And I think there's an honesty to those kind of people that you don't really get from, you know, running into, say, some business execs at a bar, you know, and you sit down there and you end up having a conversation with these guys and, you know it, it seems really pretentious and really uh phony but let's say you walk across the street and go to the local bar and you run into you know a couple truckers and you sit down with these truckers and start having stories and it's really honest and they're you know they're not they're not trying to blow smoke up your butt you know what i mean so it's just kind of this different kind of relationship especially around here in peninsula it's uh a lot of people that work hard for what they have and uh, try to make ends meet you know I just really respect that so. Makes perfect sense
0: and the kind of work that, that people kind of put in um, in terms of their relationships uh, in terms of how they have to provide for a family any of that kind of stuff um, and so um, what do you find the most challenging in terms of you know, getting in the studio? I
1: think it all works together, you know. Um, painting isn't the uh, end-all, be-all to my life. My my career focus, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a painter, I'm John Reddington. So, um, doing these other things are vastly important to me. Um, you know, so I can go for a long time without touching a painting. and it kind of it just does this cycle um where you know I I, I want to go out I want to do these things I want to have fun I want to experience life and you know a, you know after doing that for a while you know you get you get pulled back into the studio there's this uh this pull this kind of force of saying uh why don't you start recording some of this information before you lose it all and so you know, then I'll I'll get back in there, and then it, you know it starts uh, snowballing, just like the experiences snowball. So then uh, you know I'll be doing that for a while, and then and then relax about it. But you know I think the I think the hardest thing for me about getting in the studio is if um, you're having just a really tough go at it for a while, and things aren't working out the way you want them to work out. Decisions aren't um, being made the way you foresaw them in your head. And, um, you know, frankly, I just get pissed at it, and I just got to walk away and and leave it alone. And, you know, I'll come back in there the next day and look at it and get pissed again and leave. And so when that starts to happen, I just forget about it for a while and put things on the back burner and, and go do other things, go climbing, go hiking, try to canoe all the way out to Cleveland in the middle of the night and crash and sink and lose all my gear and, you know, just to, just live life, you know. Um, so I, I, I see it as just uh, one continual cycle, really. What kind of feedback do you get from people that look at your work? See it or the people that do see it, you know. Um, people can't see these experiences relating together in one opinion, not uh, not seeming to relate to the next and uh, you know, I want to I want to make the work that uh, that that speaks to me and I guess people can read it however they want to read it if they want to read it as a beautiful painting that doesn't really make sense then that's fine to me but you know I I think of these things as kind of like a, a dialogue or a, a chronicling if that's the right word of my life you know so that's what's important to me it's kind of like you know I'm friends with with a writer and, um, I, I kind of see it in the same way as he makes his work, you know, just, uh, speaking about your own life and kind of creating a, uh, almost like a, a journal of information, a journal of paintings, I guess.
0: Well, and I mean, also just maybe a little bit of promotion here. Um, cause I think you have something coming up in the spring.
1: Yeah. At the, uh, Dublin arts council, uh, May 1st a little bit north of Columbus, so I'm going to have a solo show there. It should be pretty nice, pretty excited. It's a real beautiful space. Still working on some new work for that, Um, and, you know, I really want to start branching out and doing some sculpture for it, so that should be interesting to see how I can tie in the Paul Castro experience with my own in terms of doing something sculptural. So uh, I'm really excited about tinkering around with that. Well,
0: and, you know, when you said the Paul Castro experience, I I can't help but think of uh, Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) A little bit of humor there, but um, it's very interesting about being able to see all these things, being able to relate, you know, in the same space and to see how they kind of work. And so, again, that sounds sounds like like something that's going to be very interesting and something that, uh, again, you should uh, make sure people know about so they can check it out. We'll change it up for a second here, and I, I think... We're kind of about at the end in terms of uh, questions here, but um, what, do you, what would you say the last really amazing piece of artwork that you saw was? Whew, wow, good question. Um, well, it really, it was probably a piece, um,
1: you know, the first time I went to the Indianapolis Museum of Art and, um, you know, started thinking about experience and um, just got done, kind of hanging out with Robert Irwin um, for for a night and just talking about experience with him and not really talking about work, but just talk about um, experiences that we've had in life. And it was just a really amazing, just really rad conversation. And, uh, you know, I think the next weekend or something like that, I was in Indianapolis and went to the museum and... Uh, when I go in, a lot of times, you know, I'm not looking at the tags of, you know, who made this piece and what year this was made and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just kind of browsing around what's catching my eye, checking things out. And around this corner and uh, go into this little room that's really dark and kind of uh, really dimly lit. Real dark room, but in the back there's just this little bit of glow of um, like this purplish light. And I'm like, oh, is this like a Dan Flavin or something like that? Like, I don't know what's going on with that. You know, I'm in that room and looking on the back wall and there's nobody else around. You're just in this little space. It's probably, I don't know, 15 feet by 15 feet. And um, it it appears that there's just this big um, rectangle, very landscape-oriented shape painted on the wall. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Whoever did that painted that in the most, like, I, I could not even understand how it was painted. It was so sharp and so clean, and it looked like it was just, you know, uh, taped off perfectly and maybe, I don't know, like airbrushed on or used with, because the light on both ends of the, uh, the rectangle moving towards the middle were um, this light purple. And it seemed like the uh, the light was just, like, emitting out of the painting. It was just amazing. And so I get up close to this thing, and I'm, like, right on top of it. My face is right on top of this sucker. I'm like, I don't understand how this thing got painted. And, uh, you know, I did something I'm not supposed to do, but sometimes I'll do this. I'm like, man, I'm going to touch this thing. i got to figure out what this is all about. There's nobody around. I'm just going to give it a little finger here. And so I go to touch it and whoosh, my arm just goes right through the painting and it just blew my mind that there, there was no painting there. It was, it was almost out of like Indiana Jones and uh, The Last Crusade, you know, where he has to take that step of faith, you know, to get to the Holy Grail and, you know, people are falling to the left and falling to the right and just, you know, it's like you have that moment where your mind just gets blown and it blew my mind, you know, just like there's no physical space here. And uh, you know, I, I tucked my head in there, and the back end of the room is created in such a way that it's bouncing light off of almost like an equilateral triangle shape in the room that's bouncing the light out of this little cut in the wall. Well, not little. It was a big, big rectangle. But bouncing it and projecting it through and making it look like a painting, right away I had to run out and, and see who it was, and it was James Turrell. And I, it just stinking blew my mind at how uh, wonderfully crafted the piece was and also how powerful of an experience that was. Uh, so those two things um, have always been important in my work, and I think... Um, you know, Terrell just knocks it out of the park every time he does something. So that that was uh you know, and I, I still haven't come across anything um that's blown my mind like that. So that's probably the best thing I've seen in uh I don't know, six years, something like that.
0: All right, John. Um don't have don't have anything else for you, but uh, again nice conversation and yeah man we'll get this out there and, and people can listen to it soon so
1: thanks dave appreciate the talk man
0: and uh, again you've been listening to studio break so we'll see you next time <laughs>